up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. We're here in Portland, Oregon, in the Pearl District at the LTD Studios. As you heard in the opener, we are a production of that cast network. And uh, D-Boy, what's going on with you today, man? Feeling good, feeling great, rocking again. Indeed, indeed. So uh, as you all know, we do have the Wake Up and Win website. That's wakeupandwin.com. Once again, that is wakeupthelettern.win.com. You can purchase merchandise there. Uh, We'll keep pushing this... uh, the holiday spirit at you in the process of letting you know where you can find the merchandise because obviously it's holiday season. I know y'all out shopping, buying gifts. D-Boy, you've been out shopping, buying gifts, I'm, I'm sure. Man, I've been shopping. <laughs> but I'm three days in a row deep right now, but I've been trying to beat that up. Uh, so you should be that, done now. I'm done. Today was okay. the last day. All I've right. been trying All to right. beat that, you know, week before rush. And when yeah. the rising, it's been pretty cool still. So. I, I, I tend to be very skilled in procrastinating. So, yeah, uh, I'm done. I, 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 haven't, I haven't hit it hard enough yet, but I'll get to it. Uh, for sure. For you sure. know, when, it, when time permits, I guess. But, uh, yeah. So, last week, um, we were right here on the podcast discussing the Portland Timbers. The Portland Timbers played in the MLS Cup over the weekend. Bad outing. Unfortunately, they took a loss. Bad outing. And in them taking a loss, um, it led to us not to be able to test the theory that was given right here on the podcast last week. Uh, We talked about, you know, what would happen after the championship if the Timbers won would they end up taking a White House visit? Um, obviously, they won the championship in 2015. Didn't quite take the visit. Uh, and that was under the Obama administration, by the way, which is obviously very key. And us talking about this because had they won it this year, we wanted to see if they would have went to the White House under the Trump administration because that could have been pretty conflicting um, based on what the Timbers organization portrays itself to stand for based on what this town more so or more or less stands for and you know what what the timbers allow to take place within the stadium as far as politics are concerned etc etc um but this week although the timbers didn't end up winning the championship and we can't test that theory there has been more news that has come out of the timbers front office And I think it's pretty interesting because I think in some cases it's relative to some of the discussions we had last week and it's definitely relative to some topics that are happening in the now. And that is the Timbers owner, Merrick Paulson, went on Twitter and he made a statement saying that he was retiring from Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't quite know if you can do that, but... That's what he did. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> he said log he was reti- and never log back in. He said he was retiring from Twitter. Like, are we contractually obligated to be on Twitter these days or on social media? Which, although it does seem that way, I mean, we're, we're pretty loyal to Twitter and social media and things like that. It does seem that way. But, D-Boy, what I want to ask you is, when you first heard about him retiring from Twitter, what was the first thought that came to your head? Uh, I, I honestly, I didn't know. It was kind of far-fetched to me. And what I mean by that is, uh, going back to what you said, I don't know if you can do that. Like, I'm being funny, but I never heard nobody just come out and say, I'm retiring from Twitter. I hear people say, I'm going to leave social media or I'm taking a break, blah, blah, blah. But I really didn't know what to think about it. I didn't know if it was a correlation between anything. I just didn't know. So, to be honest... I, I can't really dive deep into what I thought because I didn't really, I couldn't connect it. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I for sure could connect it. Um, and reason being is because I thought about Twitter, obviously. And by the way, just as a side note, Twitter is my favorite social media website. It is. I like Twitter better than Instagram. I like Twitter better than Snapchat. Um, I like Twitter better than Facebook. He's not I, lying. I, he tells I, me it all I, I'm the time. I'm into Twitter more than any other social I'm an media Instagram site. Man, yeah, I, I'm not so much. I, I really do enjoy Twitter. But um, when I thought about Merritt Paulson when he decided to make that decision, 
Um, the first thing that I thought about wasn't necessarily negative, but it was what is the long game of this? What is he doing? What is he preparing himself for? What is happening either in the near future or maybe even the far future, but a, a projected future because it has to be something where he could project something is going to happen, whether it be a business move, whether it be him coming to own another team. Um, we've seen Canzano come out with a column here in the Oregonian uh, pretty much trying to vouch for Merritt Paulson to try and become the owner of the Portland Trailblazers with the passing of Paul Allen happening a few months back. Um, but for me, I was thinking like it, it has to be a bigger picture because you look at what's happening in society today. You look at trolling. Um, you look at the everything that Donald Trump does and says on Twitter. And you can even look at a situation such as the Kevin Hart situation where he's having tweets that are being dug up from 10 years ago. And now he won't be performing. Uh, he won't be hosting the Oscars, excuse me, because He's not apologizing again for these tweets that he posted 10 years ago and claims to have apologized for. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm still up in the air on that because if he apologized for those tweets before, um, I kind of wonder why he didn't delete them <laughs> for those to resurface again. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm against Kevin Hart here and that, but just kind of as a side note, I think if you were cognizant enough to apologize it before, you might have been better off just deleting them at the time. Not saying that you're wrong by any means. That's just how I feel. Yeah. yeah. But back to Paulson. Um, when, when you think of Twitter, Twitter is more of a shock culture. And Twitter has definitely, social media as a whole, has definitely been the demise of many people in this day and age. So for me, my first line of thought is, you think of Mary Paulson, you think of owners of sports and professional organizations, you have no choice but to think of business. He has another business venture coming soon, and he doesn't want anything, whether it's been tweeted or whether it hasn't been tweeted because he was a person that was active on Twitter. He doesn't want to run the risk of anything social media has to do with kind of but do you think that up. don't point you don't think him announcing that shines a bigger light if it is some dirt or something that'll jeopardize another business venture? Well, it definitely was, but I felt like if that was the case he wouldn't have made the announcement. I think he's smart enough to you're not going to publicly make that announcement if you feel like because now you're hinting at something. Right. Because you I should mean, know because you should know in this climate of social media that if you did tweet something or if you do have a situation where something could be dug up out of a tweet that could be dug up out of its grave from years and years and years ago, you'd probably just stay on the hush hush. Even if you just kind of stepped away from Twitter, I don't think you would make a public announcement about it. So that's why I tend, and I'm also more of a, a innocent until proven guilty guy. I mean, I just kind of am that way. Um, I'm not saying that that's always necessarily a good thing. Um, obviously here we deal with and we talk about a lot of activism and I don't consider myself to be an activist, but I'm definitely in a lot of activist circles, definitely have an interest in activism, politics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think one of the main reasons why I don't consider myself an activist is because I do still kind of hold on to that um, innocent until proven guilty state of mind. When I think of activism, I think a lot more of pre prevention and you try to back up whatever it is that you're trying to prevent with historic facts. And I respect that wholeheartedly. I understand that wholeheartedly. I just haven't crossed all the way over into that mentality of trying to prevent something because of what history already tells us. Not, not saying that that isn't logical by any means. I mean, I, like I said, I do feed off of that in a lot of ways, but I just haven't become the person to kind of take that route. So when I think of merit, I thought more so from a positive mindset that no, he doesn't have any bad tweets that can be dug up and be to his demise that maybe he just has a business venture and he's already preventing and he's trying to prevent himself from you possibly tweeting the, something. Basically, you think it's smart, kind of. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he being ahead of the curve, basically. And, and, and even with that being said, the reason why I think that is smart is, like I said, once again, I think of him as a businessman. 
I think of ownership. Back a few episodes on the If You Know You Know episode, uh, you and I discussed Le'Veon Bell and his decision not to play this year because he wanted to get paid. Right. And we kind of had a discussion and an argument about loyalty and that there isn't much loyalty in the league. A lot of that having to do, obviously, with it being a business. So not judging or saying or trying to criticize Merritt Paulson in that way. But when I think of Merritt Paulson, the reality is he's a business owner. So I tend to kind of navigate myself towards thinking whatever it is that he's doing is because of business. His loyalty towards Instagram, Twitter, social media, whatever the case may be, doesn't exist when it comes to whatever business venture it is that he has coming because he thinks like a businessman because we see, obviously, he's had success doing so. Um, and I think as a society, we do tend to be a little bit too loyal to social media than we probably should be. Some of us recognize it and many of us don't. <laughs> 90% of us are too loyal to social media. So I, I, it, 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 we're too loyal to it. So, um, And myself included to an extent. I definitely could tone down some of my social media usage. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are far worse than I am. If you have a business Instagram account, maybe even a regular one, but I know for sure on my business Instagram, it tells you exactly how long you spend per day on Instagram. Yeah. And sometimes it's a harsh reality. Yeah. So so for me, I'm just thinking that Merritt has something up his sleeve. I don't know if what he has up his sleeve is the column that Gonzano wrote about, you know, possibly trying to get the Trailblazers. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is that this might be something that we as a society can learn from. With him being a guy who has had success in business, who has had success in life. And no, I'm not saying by any means just throw away social media because I do think that it has its advantages. There's aspects of social media that I want to get better in. But one thing that I'll say as far as my loyalty is to social media is concerned is I like to tend to focus more so on my content than I do publicizing my content in whatever way that I do on social media. I think we've gotten to a place now today where a lot of people see that as equally important. I don't tend to be that way, not to say I don't publicize my content, because obviously I do, but I'm not great at it, and I necessarily don't aspire to be great at it. And you know what? It could be to my demise, but me being who I am and thinking the way I think, having gone through schooling um, and kind of just being in this profession, I tend to focus on the content aspect of things because I like to see myself as one of those people playing the long game and trying to protect myself um, from having myself prepared in all aspects, whether it be this podcast, whether it be me writing a piece, whether it be uh, me uh, doing college play-by-play -play and color for college basketball games. It doesn't matter what it is. I focus on the preparedness more than I focus on publicizing it. Sometimes to a fault, but that's just me. I feel like Mary Paulson is in that same place and space for whatever it is that he's preparing for as his next business venture. There it is. There you have it. So next up, we talked about this before, but uh, some new information has surfaced. I want to circle back to the Super Bowl. Um, we're obviously at the pretty much the end of the NFL regular season. Um, the postseason will be coming here in a couple weeks, a few weeks. And the Super Bowl obviously won't be far after that. So I want to talk about Maroon 5 and his Super Bowl performance. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast on NatCast Network. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So D-Boy. Yo, yo, yo. Sports, politics, culture. Is it ever going to be a point in time where they don't intersect? No, it's always. It's a part of it. It's together now, for sure. It's, it's been that way forever, really. There. I mean, yeah, it like has been. Said, I think we referenced before with, you know, back when they put the fist up and all that. It's yeah. Just, it's always been political with sports and culture, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's a thing, but. Um, so next up, I, I want to kind of dig into your world a bit. And we've discussed this here on the podcast before. It's Maroon 5. So Maroon 5, they got the nod to perform at the Super Bowl this year. They did. All right, cool. All fine and dandy. I was actually more or less happy about it. Um, although I tend to criticize the NFL often, although I talk my shit about the NFL 
You're uh, a Maroon 5 fan. I'm a Maroon 5 fan, and I'm still a fan of football. Hell, I'm playing fantasy football right now. Me too. <laughs> uh, I had, I, I'm in the playoffs of fantasy football right now, by the way, for the third year in a row. Yeah, I do this when it comes to fantasy. So Shout if you got a you. league next year. I'm in playoffs for the first time this uh, year. <laughs> yeah. Trev last week. Shout out to me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so if you got a league and uh, you need a player, you need an extra body out there, I'm probably your man. But if, uh, at the same time, be skeptical because I might be the person that keeps you out of the playoffs because I tend to go every year. I've played in the same league for the last three years, and every year I've made it to the postseason. What I haven't done yet is become a champion. But we'll get there. I've still made money off of it. But that's another conversation for another day. Let's circle it back to Maroon 5. Super Bowl performance. They haven't been able to find support um, to go along with performing with them at the performance. With that being said, there's been petitions put out. I know one of them was uh, Change.org has put a petition out to try to influence Maroon 5 to back out of performing at the Super Bowl as well. Here's my thing. I get it. I understand that the NFL is not the world's favorite right now. It's not America's favorite. And they've definitely put themselves in position to not be America's favorite. I've never been shy in my approach of criticizing the NFL. But what I will say is this. Maroon 5 already made their decision. Their true colors have already be, been shown. Yeah, they and, do. And, they that's, do. and that's not... I'm not trying to... That, that's Put that fine. in a negative or positive light. That's just what it is. They've already made the decision to perform at the Super Bowl. Let them perform. If anybody else decides that they don't want to perform at the Super Bowl, cool. That's fine with me, too. If I'm playing favorites or if I'm kind of showing a bias, I respect it in a lot of ways. But also, I can't sit here and tell Maroon 5 to protest or not perform at the Super Bowl when I'll probably be one of the people watching the Super Bowl. Right. And I, I don't think that it's their role or their position or situation to not perform at the Super Bowl. It's I, business. I, 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 exactly. That, it's yeah. the biggest damn stage you can potentially get, even in the current state of football. And what I mean by that, I was just texting somebody asking, did they see that crazy game that was just played a few minutes Absolutely. ago? between the Chiefs and it. No, I'm not watching that dumb old football, right? And it's crazy because that, that, I never got that response from people. You know what I mean? But I mean, I get it. State that yeah. in, that's how much people hate football. I so get it. I'm saying, even with that, performing on the Super Bowl, Super Bowl is still going to be by far one of the largest stages, if not the biggest Maroon 5 has performed on. I, I get that. And now, so, I, I just, from a business standpoint, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I understand their decision to stay doing it. Now, what about from a moral standpoint? Because don't get me wrong. I uh, I kind of put more well, equity from into... From a moral standpoint, yeah. I, I, I feel like it go back to what we talked about maybe when Sim was out here at one of the earlier shows, but it go back to one of the times when me and you disagree where I'm like, everybody don't agree with the protest and how things are going in. For sure. It, they might stand on that. It might be, you know what I mean? I, I just... I feel like everybody is still entitled to their own opinion. And this thing is political and controversial. But I'm asking about because, you. I'm asking about your opinion. Oh, I'm thinking you Where said do you stand? Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm asking about you. Where do you stand? Do you have more respect for, let's say, a Rihanna? Let's say, a Amy Schumer? And that's not to say that you're downplaying or you're criticizing Maroon 5. I just want to know, what okay. are you more invested in? The fact that Rihanna and Amy Schumer and... I don't know if Cardi B is necessarily boycotting or not, but they well, definitely haven't come to an agreement for I'm her to perform. I'm more impressed with Amy Schumer because she's white. Okay. And and what I mean by that is it, it says a lot about her to go, like, this is black people protesting on black... Well, I think it's know, gotten bigger than that now. It, but I'm saying yeah, the yeah, root it's gotten of bigger it, than that, but I get where you're going. Where it, and obviously things have been exposed and mishandled and all that to make it bigger than that. But the right. root of where it is is still the face of Kaepernick doing what he did and everybody following and that whole shebang. So right. I think that Amy Schumer was more surprising. I don't say that I would big up her anymore, but it was more surprising. And like I said, everybody is not going to take the same right. stand that Amy Schumer did. And that's why it was surprising for her to do that. And I'm not surprised that Maroon 5 is still agreeing to perform. For so, sure. 
that's where I stand with it. That I just still believe that. I just believe everybody is not on the same side of the fence that we own. And that's okay. And and their decision is not going to be made off or not made off of you know the the political side of it. Yeah. It's going to be business for sure. But when you think about them not being able to get other performers, do you think that it's a situation where it could possibly be eye opening for them? Because you're one of those people. What I Maroon about, Five is huge, well, yeah, and, and, and I think, it's not like monetarily that this. It's something that they need, per se. It's not something that Rihanna needs, obviously. No, it's I not something that. that Amy Schumer needs. It's not something that Cardi B needs. And I, mean, I would say the like same said, goes for Maroon 5. Enough, I think it's enough of a split where I think Maroon, Maroon 5 already has a very definitive established fan base, and I don't think that they're jeopardizing that by making a decision to perform at the Super Bowl. I think they're going to have some people talk about them, just kind of like you said, you're still a fan. You've been a Maroon 5 Absolutely. fan. I can vouch for that. Absolutely. And if they perform, you're not going to boycott it. You're going to watch it and probably enjoy the performance. But like I did say, my bias, if they did boycott it, I would probably like them just a little itty-bitty uh, bit uh, more. But, but, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to lose <laughs> yeah. you by performing. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that's kind of what I mean by that is I don't think that the risk is bigger than the reward at this part for them. So yeah. I, I think I, I fully understand. Yeah, like I said, their true colors showed when they decided to perform in the first place. So right there, that was kind of, and like I said, I wouldn't invest my energy in the 75,000 yeah, petitions exactly. and all of that kind of stuff. I wouldn't personally. I'm not mad at the people that are doing it. I quite frankly understand why people are doing it. Um, but I... That's just not the place or the space that I'm in right now, being that I'm not even boycotting football myself. Part of it is because I cover it, I talk about it, I discuss it, um, things of that sort. So that definitely has played a role. And me never being one of the people that boycotted football. Um, but another part of it also is just, you know, I, I more so support the athletes. I more so support the entertainers. I've mentioned before the relationships that I have with some of the people that do play in the league. And I would rather go and watch them play and do their thing. And I'll still be critical of the league because it's my job to do so and it's how I feel. So I'm going to say how I feel. But I just haven't crossed all the way over into saying kind of F the NFL. I'm not watching Me. the NFL. I just haven't done that. So I'm not going to sit here and tell Maroon 5 that they have to do it. But to the people that are doing it, I respect it. <laughs> I remember when Jamel Hill came out. That's part of the reason she's probably not with ESPN right now. She got suspended over talking about um, pretty much boycotting the NFL uh, and affecting their money because that's what hurts for them. Their advertisers, et cetera, et cetera. She got suspended, I think, from ESPN because of those com uh, those comments. So I said, I'm not mad. I understand it. I respect it. I'm just personally not a guy who would sign the, uh, the petition. And quite frankly, if I'm being honest, I'm probably more excited about watching Maroon 5 perform than the, yeah, Super, the Super Bowl, Bowl because the Raiders ain't playing it anyway. Agreed. Next up, we got Taking L's. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So uh, it's time to talk about who took an L this week. And Dubois, for some reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's by habit, but I'm going to switch it up today because I usually start off asking you who you think took an L this week. Why I do it, I don't know. It's just kind of became a thing. The segment is still fairly new, too. And so maybe I just kind of, like I said, I'm a, we're a creature of habit. We're creatures right, of right. habit. It just, it kind of, that's how yeah, it yeah, goes. Right it, it worked out that way, which yeah, is cool. I, I don't mind. So I'll get it started today. And I got to say that Kodak Black took an L. As much as it pains me to say this, because D-Boy, as you already know, I am a fan of Kodak Black. Right. I know a lot of people aren't fully invested into kind of this mumble rap thing, but, uh, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm 100% invested in mumble rap, but I'm definitely not being left behind, okay? I like older hip-hop. I like 90s hip-hop. I like conscious hip-hop. But uh, I like the mumble rap wave as well. Kodak Black, definitely amongst the top of my list as one of my favorite rappers who probably fits into that category. Right. But Kodak Black went on Hot 97 on the Ebro in the Morning show. Um 
Yeah, the same Ebro that used to work here in Portland. <laughs> he went on Ebro's show and they did an interview. It's crazy. It's common, typical. It happens. And Ebro basically, um, Kodak basically has been in jail a lot. And he admitted on the show during the interview before he decided to cut it short that he's been in and out of jail since he was 14 years old. Um, this is just kind of the lifestyle he lives. Cool, it happens. It's mm -hmm. all fine and dandy. That's on you, Kodak, if you want to be in and out of jail. Um, but Ebro got to a point where he asked him about one of his more recent cases and the case that he's pretty much fighting right now, and it was a sexual assault case. Ebro saying that he didn't want to dig into asking him questions because of the respect for all parties in the situation and obviously the case is still going right now, but that he wanted to invite Kodak Black back onto the show hopefully someday to talk about and discuss sexual assault. All right, cool. What did Kodak Black do? He shut his mouth. That I thought was a smart move. Rosenberg, Ebro's co-host, tried to kind of deflect and ask a question about this man on the moon stuff. I don't know if it came from the Steph Curry and NASA situation, whatever. But it wasn't a question that was really relevant to Kodak Black. Right. So at that point, Kodak Black kind of showed his anger like, I feel like y'all basically are being entertained by Ebro, you asking me or you bringing this topic up and really not so much asking me a question about it. And then Rosenberg, you want to ask me something about a man on the moon. Like, what, what are we talking about here? Like, what's going on? Right. And so Ebro kind of called him out on it that he was mad about it. Kodak ended up saying, well, I am pretty much mad about it. And Ebro was like, hey, we can cut the interview short. You can leave. Kodak did just that and left. Now, and I would have did that. But here's why I think Kodak took an L. Kodak, you shouldn't have done the interview in the first place. Nothing is off the table when you decide to come into another man's studio, no, into another man's no, home. So this was nothing new. This was nothing, it's nothing new. new. Nothing new. You know, you you went to the most one of the most popular hip hop radio shows where people expect Ebro of all people to be the person to ask these types of questions. Um, where really it's his job to ask these type of questions. So the reason why you took an L is that it could have not even gotten to this point anyway. You should have just not did an interview or a press run. It's not like you needed it. Your prop, your popularity is through the roof. So maybe it's your team that decided you needed to, needed to go on this press run, but your popularity is through the roof. It's not. It wasn't a necessity for you to go and do this interview. Could it help? Sure. But is it going to help that much to where you need it? I don't think so. So I think this whole situation could have been avoided had you not gone. I, once again, I take it back to Colin Kaepernick. One of the things that we praise him for, and one of the, well, not even necessarily praise him for, for, let me take that back. One of the things that I praise him for, or that I kind of appreciate and understand and respect kind of this silence since he's been out of the league is the fact that he's in the middle of a court case right now. Everybody wants Kaepernick to come out and speak because he, you know, he got this big, huge movement started and then he kind of got quiet on us. Well, for one, he's been very active and I think his action has spoke a lot louder than his words. Right. And for two, he has a pending case going on against the NFL right now. Why would we want him to come out and incriminate himself or have the possibility to incriminate himself, i.e. my take on why I think Merritt Paulson decided to retire from Twitter. Why would we want that? Just shut up, be quiet, handle your business the way you got to handle it. Right, Get you right. a real good lawyer and go handle your business. Which you can afford. Which you can afford. That's what I'm saying. None of this was a necessity. So you put yourself in a position to be asked a question like that. Where I think Ebro was kind of soft was if you were going to bring up that topic, you should have just asked the question. If you weren't going to bring up the topic, then just don't talk about it at all. Yeah, it was just an awkward moment, period. It was definitely it was an awkward moment. But I'm not blaming. I don't think Ebro took a L per se. I might not agree with what he did in some cases, but I don't think he took an L by any means. Kodak, I think you took an L because you didn't make a smart move. At the end of the day, Ebro, his show, um, the, the marketing that it's going to get from that, he won. He really capitalized off having you in studio and having this moment of you storming out of his studio. He won. 
because he did his job. And he got you, one of the hottest rappers in the game, to storm out of his studio and create a big moment in the hip-hop community um, on his YouTube channel. It's going to get a bunch of views and a bunch of streams, probably more than any other interview he does. So Ebro really won in my eyes in this one. Kodak, you lost. I'm still a fan. But All right, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Well, we know Kodak Black took an L this week and pounced eyes. Now let's switch it over to me. Are you ready for mine? I'm ready. You ready? Yep. All right. To some listeners, you may not ever heard of this guy, which is why the, the comment that was made is so off the Richter. But my taking it all goes to Jacquees or Jacquees or whatever the <laughs> hell that R&B singer name is. <laughs> and he's laughing like you already know where I'm going with I know with exactly this. where you're going with this. I think. I, I mean, had I'm, to. I, I know what he did. To. I know what he said, but go ahead. Okay, okay. So, this young brother, 24 years old, had the nerve to get on Instagram and said that he is the king of R&B. Mind you, Y'all might How need you me to say, say his name 24. Okay. And you might need me to say his name again, too, because y'all probably ain't heard of him before unless you're really on to your stuff. Jacquees. All right? We got it? I'm here. All right, so the guy gets on uh, Instagram and puts out a video pretty much saying, no, not pretty much saying, he said he's the king of R&B. And then he said, for this era. So, um... A lot of a lot of different celebrities chimed in on it. You yeah. had Kaylani who said something. You had John Legend, who I'm a big fan of, said something, and I was kind of surprised because certain celebrities you just don't hear much in controversy. But right. John Legend spoke up on it, um, and a host of other celebrities. And so I thought that was just a very premature comment for him to make. Obviously, he is making some noise in the music industry, in the R&B industry. He did, I think his biggest viral notoriety came from that uh, that remix that he that he did of LMA's trip. Yeah, definitely that, the most that, recent. Yeah, that was that was a big hit and uh you but know, it's his, not a his, his hit. No 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 I'm saying <laughs> yeah, LMA's but I know song what you're was saying. a big yeah. hit and, oh, okay, okay. and he the fact that he was able to capitalize it on it early on before it really went, you know, it was already a yeah, hit, but, but I don't want I'm he, not giving him that credit. No, no, no. What, <laughs> yeah, what I'm, I'm saying is he made a good he made a good cover song. It Absolutely. was a good remix. He, yeah, and he's he went a good viral and it went, dude or it went crazy on SoundCloud and all of that. But uh And I didn't think it was better like than Like I said, original. for that for that to be his biggest accolade to date, pretty much, you are very prematurely calling yourself the king of R and B. And so um I would like to get your feedback on who you think could be deemed that first of all, because what it did was cause a lot of other conversation. Yeah, for sure. Is there even a king of R&B Overall right or in this era? In this era. because uh, it, that's because what he said. It, yeah, he said this era and then he followed up on Instagram today and posted another picture and then the caption it said, what young, capitalized all letters on young, male R&B artist hotter than the king right now, referencing himself again. So at this point, I think it's kind of a gimmick that he's rolling with. He might have really meant that when he said it, but because of the response, I think he's going to play into that, and it might benefit him. So as of right now, the statement is very bold. I'm going to say you took an L because I don't see the positive in it yet, but uh, I could very likely be coming back two weeks, a month, six months down the road and saying, bruh, you, 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 you were smart. That was a calculated move, and it might see be. it work for you. But as of right now... I agree with a lot of the other celebrities that chimed in and said, fuck out of here. Not right. Uh, yeah, if I had to say who I think it is, I mean, the king of R&B in this generation who still holds relevancy in this generation would have to be Chris Brown. And that's what a lot in of this the era. People, that's what a lot of the people have said when they come to young. The other era. person, the other person that I would have to say is in that conversation far ahead of Jaquees, Quees, whatever his name exactly. is. Um, would be Miguel. Miguel's got some hits, bro. Miguel has some hits. Yeah, he's definitely he's, more, he's, he's definitely he's, ahead of him. He's, he's ahead of him, him. And, and really ahead of probably everybody except for Chris Brown at this point in this new era, I guess, if that's what we're calling it. Another person, hate it or love it, Drake. 
Nah, nah, nah. Part of the and reason why Drake is nah, such a great artist I get is it. because Drake is he, he, he equally he raps that, and does R and B. And that was but, another thing too, where people were saying, um, he's hot, he's hot like somebody, somebody who I credit, who I credit, or like I said, who I respect was John Legend, and he said, he said his mind wanted to say Bruno Mars or The Weeknd, which I feel like they are both ahead of him, but he said he don't know if they quite fit that if they genre qualify. of right. R&B fully. Right. And that's why I said that what made me think about that was the Well, I would comment. say Miguel I then. think Miguel, you more on point with, yeah. like, I can only, uh, I, I only, I think R&B when I think Miguel, you feel yeah. me? And that's yeah. it, so, and I think of it being well done. And right. I've seen him perform live recently and it was well done. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely yeah, I would think, say Chris Brown or Miguel. I definitely think it's at least five people ahead of him uh, in this Yeah, era, ahead of him, I would yeah, put Drake yeah, in there too. Uh, uh, yeah, easy. <laughs> I would, but, uh, put, I would yeah, put The Weeknd too. you understand and I would why put he in my book then. Yeah, that was a sure. bold statement. And like I said, hopefully it works to his best benefit in the long run, but short term, that was dumb. Yeah, I agree. I, <laughs> that Drake thing, though, I'm still kind of no, no. That's why I did. I wanted to know. What here's you why, think, though. So. Here's why. Here's here's what kind. He does enough singing to be, but uh, but, no. but but my thing He's is this: you even mentioned what he say, Bruno Mars in the weekend. Yeah, but he said it, he could. For, but here's my thing about Drake. Here's uh, here's my thing about Didn't Drake. He break the weekend. Drake has crossed over you that crew love song. Yeah, okay. But even that. Drake has crossed over into pop, but I don't think it was intentionally. I think Drake's music was just so good and he was so talented that it became universal in itself. I think it was more intentional for the Brunos of the world and for the uh, for but, the weekends of the world is, to intentionally about, cross over into that pop into that pop realm. What, but that's what, what I'm saying. What saying but that's what, what I'm saying. saying. I don't know if Drake isn't First off, R&B is not where I do think, like you said, Jaquise might have been smart. Is that R&B is not at, eight different names? Jaquise, <laughs> <Jacquees. laughs> but where I, I do think know. he could be smart, where I do think it could work in his favor, is that there isn't that many options, and he's not hot well, enough that's to what be the option. But that but that's my it thing. It might not be nobody right now. Kevani said uh, Beyonce was the king of R&B. But, damn. <laughs> but even still, but but Beyonce, I think is a perfect example. I think you could put Drake in that light. Beyonce, her music is so good and so universal that it has reached pop audiences. But I don't really think Beyonce is an artist that you say makes pop music. But I think Bruno... No, 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 no. That's, but that's the point that I'm getting at. I'm talking about Drake being an R&B. What I'm saying is, I think those other artists make pop music. That's why they can't qualify as being kings of R&B. I don't okay, think Drake okay. intentionally makes that kind of music. I think make, Drake makes good enough rap music and good enough R&B music to where it crosses over into the pop realm just because of how good it is universally. And same goes with Beyonce. I think you could say the same for her. Her music, her R&B music is so good. Her singing is so good that it reaches pop audiences. Everybody doesn't have that gift. Some people has the gift of being able to play the game and trying to cross I get over. It, but Drake but is a, Drake, a rapper. Drake's a, a, yeah, but, a, but has, Drake has, has multiple <laughs> weapons in his arsenal, but he's a rapper, bro. And yeah. so I, is I, he I, a, but is he? Yes, he is. He's, <laughs> he's a it, he's over a, a singer. Bonus, he's not a soulful singer. A king of R&B is going to have some soul. His singing. music has some soul to it, though. Drake is... Come, all right. We, Drake, that's not, Drake makes good music. Jacquees, Drake makes please, good R&B music. You, you took the... There's uh, no denying Jake, Drake makes good R&B music I, because he does. But that's I what we're talking about. So, no, we're Drake's, talking about the king of R&B here. Jaquise definitely don't make soulful music then. He, may, he sings think, more soulfully than Drake. Uh, you missed what I'm saying. But, but because more, he sings more soulfully better than Drake. You can't tell me that. But that doesn't make you... Your music, your R&B is what a I'm music genre. A king of R&B has always been soulful. Something like Usher. When you hear that, oh, let it burn. All of that. That's what I mean by soulful. And he's I mean, been Drake, the last king of R&B. Drake has really definitely been more on, Drake I guess, the whiny side. I mean, but, like, he's just a no, 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 no. He, he can go He can go. But he's not a, that. no, he can't hit a super high. I mean, he can, I don't, he can falsetto I, For me, it's not little. all about the note. For but me, it's I'm about the song being an R&B song. he's not an R&B the artist. best singers really aren't even in this conversation because their music isn't there. But 
I mean, even Miguel. Miguel's ahead of all of them because Miguel can sing with more soul than any of them. I think I think Drake can be considered an R and B artist. I truly wholeheartedly believe that. Not the king of R and B. I truly wholeheartedly believe that. Not the king of R and B. And in this era, in this era, I think he's in the conversation. What I'm saying is, there's not enough viable options for him to not be in the conversation with as many singing hits as he's made. Listeners, regardless of how good he sings, he's singing. Facebook and anything else, Twitter with feedback because I would love to hear your thoughts. On yeah, that. I think is Drake uh, a potential king of R and B in this era? Uh, I as, so. we, as we transition, to I don't think he is, family. but I believe he's in the conversation. Um, next up, I posted something on social media on Instagram, I should say, earlier today. I think sometimes we tend to get broad with social media. I don't need y'all going in circles trying to find this post, but on Instagram today. I posted something that I want to discuss here in the next segment. We usually close out with the taking L's. I'm not doing that today. I want to talk about this post because it got a lot of reaction from my followers. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So before we dig into this next topic, I just want to piggyback a bit because one artist that I think is very new, so he's not the king, but I definitely think he's ahead of Jaquees. If you haven't heard of him, go check him out. Is Daniel Caesar. He's good. He's a really good R&B artist that is, that is being recognized today. He's currently one of the better R&B artists today. So I just want to put that out there. Now, back to the social media posts I was talking about. So today, um, I, I, I mentioned that I play fantasy football, but for those of you that didn't know, I'm actually in my first year playing fantasy basketball as well. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know any of the people that I'm playing in this. I know one person of the 10 or 12 people playing in this fantasy basketball league. So it's been kind of fun because it's my first time doing it. Um, a co-worker of mine, he's a part of this league. and. He added me to it, and I'm like, you know what? I've never done it before, so I decided to do it. Now, this fantasy league that I'm a part of has a group chat. Um, I see and read all the messages, but I don't respond to them, um, I guess, because I don't really know anybody. So I'm not going to just sit here having these random conversations with a bunch of people I don't know. I know some people tend to do that in this gaming world and in this you know electronic world and this social media world i'm not quite that guy to reach out to people that i don't know um so anywho one of the guys i think everybody's a guy here i think they all identify as guys i don't i don't know <laughs> but one of the people <laughs> in the group chat who obviously is a part of this league sent out, I don't know if it was a meme or a ranking, but I'll call it a, a meme and a ranking for this segment. Reason why I call it a meme is because a part of it I thought was a joke. The reason why I call it a ranking, because that's just what it was, it was a ranking. He sent a picture with the list of the top seven shooting guards of all time. First of all, I thought that was really interesting, and the reason why is because we tend to think about rankings, I would say more so, um, in increments of five. So like top five, top 10, top 15, top 20, top 25, et cetera, et cetera. And I felt like if this ranking had the top five shooting guards of all time, that it would have been too easy. But what I noticed with this top seven, this odd number seven, was that it actually made me think a little bit more than I expected to, especially when it comes to a basketball ranking. I thought a lot, but I'm going to give you my top seven shooting guards of all time in this order. And I'm doing this because social media had a lot to say about it. Well, first off, I'm going to give you theirs. So theirs was Michael Jordan at number one, Kobe Bryant at number two, Jerry West at number three, Dwayne Wade at number four, James Harden at number five, Iceman George Gervin at number six, and Allen Iverson at number seven. My personal list, based on the influence of this list, was Kobe Bryant, number one, Michael Jordan, number two, Allen Iverson, number three, Dwayne Wade, number four, James Harden, number five, 
Clyde the Glide Drexler, number six. Shout out to Portland. And I had to throw Tracy McGrady in at number seven. So now, D-Boy, I think you've got an opportunity to look at this list. Right. Or you could piggyback off of my list and tell me where you agree or where you may disagree, where people should be moved, et cetera, et cetera. Cuddy, I'm taking uh, – ah, when it comes to shooting guard, ah, man. It was tough for me, too. Especially, like, I, I had to go back and think about some things, and it's a possibility that I would change some things, but I'm sticking with what my original list was. I, I'm finding a way to put Clay and Reggie Miller in there somewhere. Uh, Reggie, yeah. I, Clay's, Clay is young enough. Top seven. I yeah. I, I Top know, seven. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know who I would really – it's hard to remove – it's hard to remove Harden. Because he he's an MVP, he's an MVP. <laughs> so I, and he's that he's like that he's that but, good. But it's like it's hard for Clay to ever be an MVP playing on the team with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Right. They just play such good team ball together. But uh, what about? T I'm not taking T Mac off. He was cold. And and the and, reason and, why and the only like, reason why I think you could just, take T Mac off is because he split playing shooting guard and small forward. Yeah. But he was so cold. The fact that that's we can call him, him off the fact right, that we can call him a shooting guard if he didn't play any small forward and he was just strictly a shooting guard his whole career, he'd probably be in my top three. Well, you know, I think you a little I, I'm surprised to say this because I thought I was more of a Kobe fan than you growing up, but I feel like all bias aside, I think I'm putting MJ before Kobe on your list. And I don't think yeah. I don't think the majority will will go against me. And, that and that's you know that's I mean? all fine and, so, and dandy. I, and I so hear that. I'd rather but I'm a Kobe guy. To, than to, you know, um AI definitely is a killer. I'm not taking him off. D Wade Harden. I, I think the only person I don't like on here is Clyde Drexler, Cuddy. Clyde Drexler and is a I, monster. I understand though. it. And, and, and honestly, <laughs> reading through your comments, <laughs> somebody said J.J. Reddick probably colder than Jerry West. That is Because <laughs> Jerry West was on that original list. He was on that you, original uh, list, yeah. That you had posted. Yeah, Not which I wholeheartedly disagree but, with. Um, yeah, I'm taking out Clyde Drexler for either uh, Reggie Miller or uh, Clay Thompson. What about Ray that. Allen? What about Jesus? Shuttlesworth. Uh, yeah, but we, we top ten when it comes to that. We we talking yeah, top seven, seven so, absolutely. Yeah, I I say top ten. So yeah, that's the only thing. You was pretty much spot on. MJ before uh Kobe though, and then I'm taking Clyde to glide out. And that's honestly probably because I just personally haven't seen enough Clyde. I heard yeah. more stories and seen old footage, but I just haven't. You know, it the reason why I right put there. Clyde, the reason why I put Clyde because in the nineties. He was probably, I mean, he late 80s, early 90s when Jordan went on that first three-peat. He was probably the most comparable to Jordan in that era. And I know, as you said, and I'm not ignorant to the fact that Jordan's a viable number one candidate. And I'm not ignorant to the fact that I'm probably not amongst the majority in putting Kobe at number one. But it is how I feel. It is what I believe. And I think there's a lot of reasoning for it. It's all about timing and situation. Um, and I feel like Kobe did everything that he could possibly do to become number one, even with the legacy and the resume that Michael Jordan has. Um, 81 points. 81 points. That's a killer. He won five without six, but he did it with two separate duos. Jordan won all six of his with Scotty. I truly believe this is all an opinion here because we'll never know. I truly believe Jordan wouldn't be the perfect champion had he not retired and played baseball because those two years that he retired and played baseball, the Houston Rockets with Hakeem Olajuwon won. I quite frankly don't think Jordan would have beat Hakeem at least in one of those. He might have won, you know, one of the two, but I don't think he would have won two of the two. And it's possible that he could have lost both of them, but we'll never know. But that's my opinion there. But, um... Yeah, I think Clyde the Glide Drexler, man, he was the most comparable point guard probably in like that late 80s, early 90s era to Michael Jordan. He was Michael Jordan's biggest competition probably in his whole career 
at that position while Jordan played. Right. Obviously, you got the Kobe's of the world. You got the D-Wade's of the world who came more so after that era and who didn't really have as many head-to-head matchups with Jordan. But Clyde the Glide probably is that next best shooting guard. And if Jordan isn't in the way, who's to say Clyde wouldn't have won a championship here in Portland? I think he did end up getting one with Hakeem in Houston. But who's to say? They they met in the finals. He took the Blazers to the finals. Who's to say he wouldn't have had one if the all-time Michael Jordan wasn't in his way? So I thought my list was pretty accurate. I thought it would receive a bit more criticism. Um, The criticism it did receive, I think, was kind of obvious. Klay Thompson... That's that's one that I it still remains to be seen. Give him a few more. It remains to be seen, but it remains to be seen. But 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 what I will say for Clay, um, he is the best shooter of all shooting guards to ever play the game. I put Clay Thompson over Ray Allen as a shooter. I put Clay Thompson over Reggie Miller as a shooter. Um, and the position is obviously called shooting guard. Well, um, he, I, he, I think as far as just on. shooting the ball. He is the best shooter of the he's group. He's one of the best defenders in the league too. So it's like that's why I think that's why that gives him an argument as well. Even Reggie Miller, I don't think he was a great defender. Yeah, I, I agree. He he was an ulti- he was Ray a crazy Allen good competitor was earlier. Um, but he was more. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. I think. This I just think his playmaking ability doesn't quite match the other guys on that list, the AIs of the world, the Kobe's of the world. Even even if he did have his own situation, I just don't see Clay having a playmaking ability. Yeah, the James Hardens, the Ray Allens, Mm -hmm. the the, the Kobe's, the AIs. I threw T-Mac in there, obviously. Ray Allen was quiet, though. I think Ray Allen... Ray Allen was a playmaker. That's what I'm saying. I think early on is what helped Ray Allen with the... He got... Like, he was more of a branded person very early on in his career, too, which I think Clay is not, Clay has been more branded around the Warriors' success than you. You know what I mean? That spunk. Hey, I had that spunk. All of these other shooting guards you named had like it was just something else there. Like you said, whether it was just ultimate playmaking or and that's not else. to say Clay's not a playmaker. Yeah, he's a playmaker. I don't think he's as good of a playmaker as right, Ray Allen was, right. though. But like Brand I said, but he also <laughs> has some things that these yeah, other players don't. For so sure, it, it's, it remains to be seen. I think it's just he's younger and. uh you know, he's probably the youngest in that whole conversation of what we're talking about. And I think yeah. that's why he might be getting a short end right Only now, one still playing. Yeah, D-Wade, another, obviously. Another is few years is, and we'll be definitely saying he top seven. Yeah, so. D-Wade's on his farewell tour Hello right now. Today, so. though, huh? Indeed, indeed. So fun. make sure y'all follow us, Pounce underscore Station, if you want to chime in on that particular topic. Um, Twitter is Pounce underscore Station as well. D-Boy, let him know where to find you. Now, y'all know I'm D-Boy LTD with an I, not a Y, but I need y'all to go tag Jaquisha and let him know he ain't the king of r and you know what I mean? Uh, but on another note, yeah, we, we got this on uh, LTD Music with a K.com. Obviously, search Wake Up and Win. Uh, check out the music, D-Boy with an I, not a Y, LTD. And uh, just keep on rocking with us, man. We got a lot coming for y'all, a lot of material. And that's all we got for today. We're going to leave y'all the only way we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win.